You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back. Always excited to have you back here on the podcast. Really can't you know say it enough how much I appreciate all of you for integrating you know this podcast, this show into your you know daily routine. You know I know the concept of daily when it comes to a podcast can be a little bit you know let's let's face it it's a lot it's a lot of me. Um, and I will tell you I had some people that were in my ear that were telling me Brian like. You know, the numbers with the downloads and people that are subscribing and part of your community, like they're going to go down just because it's a it's a daily podcast. And I said, you know what, like, I think this topic is different. My goal is to provide evergreen content. And like, and I tell you what, this community is amazing. And uh, you guys have been proving me right. And so I just want to say thank you and a big shout out to all of you uh, who've done that and kind of been a part of that community. And I also want to say, like, you know, part of this is about, you know, what my stance is of we are greater than me. And on yesterday's podcast, uh, I kind of teased out that we were doing a hardware wallet uh, comparison. I'm going to save that for tomorrow's podcast just because uh, there's an update that I needed to run uh, on my test that I realized uh, I wasn't giving one of the the tools the right due diligence. So we're going to pause that one. But, you know, on yesterday's podcast... You know, I explained that we um, you know, we had decided to go with uh, the Bones Club uh, NFT project, but there was another project that you know I, I actually gave a couple shout outs to a couple other projects that we really just loved, and I thought they were you know great uh, projects, great community, and you know one of them was you know a lot of people in the community, a lot of people that hold our super fans NFTs. Uh, were reaching out to me and telling me, Brian, this is a great project. You know, I love what they're doing. And the project was the uh, the Taco Gatos project, uh, and it's definitely you know a slow burn project. They 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 launched them in a couple of days ago, and I'll tell you, their their mint today is still live. And so you know what that means is that we've decided to mint them as part of our project for Mint 365. So I know yesterday I discovered them. I actually bought a couple of them myself yesterday. Uh, but for today, they're going to be our today's Mint 365 project. And so, you know, kind of with that being said, you know, listening to the community, uh, you know, believing, you know, hey, this, this is about together we make an impact, together we make a difference. You know, today's episode, I'm going to take six questions. Uh, I got like a, a plethora of questions, which... Plethora is one of my favorite words. I don't know how if you guys have favorite words. Uh, I know that might be funny for a lot of people because I have I like I like love numbers and I have favorite words. All of that stuff, all that fun stuff. But uh, I like the word plethora, and I got a plethora of questions from uh, the Facebook group of people that are replying to my Instagram stories, uh, and also um, in the Discord. And so I pulled some of those questions in for today's episode because. The episode we did uh, a little while back on 11 questions from the audience, I've still been getting messages about how helpful that uh, episode was. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into these six questions. But I also want to just like level set one thing real quick. And that is in this culture of NFTs, there can be a very elitist feel. There can be a very, you're not one of us, so don't try to be one of us feel. I think that's unfortunate because 
the numbers are pretty glaring right now, right? If you looked at the numbers of, of people in this space, we are early adopters. We are without question early adopters. And, and I'll say, like, I, I give a shout out to uh, Maddie, who's DCL blogger on Twitter. He posted a tweet today and he said, probably less than 4 million people have bought an NFT as of today. What's this space going to look like when there's 400 me- million people, right? 400 million people that have, uh, have actually bought an NFT, let alone 4 billion. And I think that's such an important perspective to be in, right? Because it's very easy to be like us versus them or, uh, you know, hate on one style of projects or call people out that, you know, want to be a part of a project that the floor has gone too high. But guess what? We are all early adopters and I will, I will bang this drum until y'all stop listening. And I'll probably still be banging this drum is that, you know, as a collective whole, we need to lift each other up. We need less talking down and bashing other projects, other people, because when we think about it really, you know, this, and this kind of goes into these questions that we're going to you know, cover on today's episode. You know, a lot of people on my Facebook page, when I asked them, you know, I asked the question on my Facebook page, like what, you know, what are the, what's the number one thing that you don't understand when it comes to NFTs? And you know what people, what my most popular reply was, and I got a bunch of replies. You know what my most popular one was? All of it. All of it was what most people said, right? And I think it's such a, it's such an important thing because if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're taking a step that most people haven't even welcomed into. And that's getting educated, you know, and, and I hope that for many of you, maybe you're, you're learning, but you're like, you know what, I'm not going to be ready to buy an NFT anytime soon or launch my own NFT uh, any, anytime soon. And guess what? That's okay. That's perfectly okay. But I think it's vital to stay up to date, stay in the know, and even know what you don't know so that when the timing is right, that the things will be aligned and you'll be ready to jump on it, right? Like I, I believe, you know, it's not about being the first, you know, being early, you know, the first adopter, first advantage, right? Like we've, I've said, I share this a lot, right? Like, I mean, I think, you know, Google was the 37th search engine, right? 37, 36 other search engines came before it, but I can guarantee you Google just didn't wait till there was 36 search engines in the market and then decide to jump in there, right? Like the idea is like, we need to learn and listen, understand some trends, and really come together as a community. So you'll notice on my Twitter feed, that's kind of been my mantra and my focus. So let's jump into the questions. All right. And the first question comes from Axon Genius or Genesis, Axon Genesis. And he said, if you connect your wallet to a bad site, and I'm not talking about entering your seed phrase, can they steal your crypto or NFTs? I would, re- re- would think it would require some type of approval on our end, but you know, not just connecting the wallet. And is there any security with risk with connecting sites to uh, MetaMask, such as the ability for them to take anything from me? Great question. And I've covered pretty in depth the security aspect, but I could, like, if there's two things that I think we can cover in every podcast, it would be security and mental health. Like, we have to take care of ourselves, recognize the mental health, the wear and tear that, that this can also take on our mental health. And then also the security. And so here's, here's how this works, right? If you give someone your seed phrase, it is like giving them to key, the keys to your car. They can drive that car no matter where you park it. They have the ability to take it from you. Now, the flip of that is it doesn't mean that just the only way that you are vulnerable is giving up your seed phrase. Because here's how your wallet works. Much like, um, two, like um, we, 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 we call it you know, authorization, OS um, authorization, single factor authentication. 
So you know when you go to a website and you have to create a new account and they'll say, log in with Facebook, Google, or create a new account, right? And most of us will click Facebook or or Google and it allows us to sign in, authorize, single factor authentication, allows us to authenticate ourselves um, without having to you know, go through all the work. Well, in this Web3 world, when you are going to a website and you want to, you know, create an account or authorize yourself to kind of, you know, kind of share that data, you do the same thing. It's called signing, right? You sign your wallet to give it permission to be connected to that website. Now, here's where things become a little bit sticky is that the no, if you are, you know, if you just go to a website and you don't connect your wallet, no, they cannot actually take, there's nothing they can do for you. But because, I mean, I, 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 this was yesterday, yesterday, I probably clicked on my wallet, you know, either the, the sign, confirm, um, authorize, because I, I put a lot of NFTs for sale. I, I bought some, uh, some mint NFTs, uh, as well as I connected to some new sites that we're researching. I probably pressed that button, that damn button, uh, like say 48 times. I was just a guess, but it's somewhere in that range. The problem becomes when you see the pop-up for your MetaMask, event like you get through a you get to become a habit where you're just like click click okay i just got to sign to that website and in some cases you will sign to a website that isn't saying they want to connect to you know they're not actually doing it from a standpoint of you know connecting to authenticate they're connecting to transact and so you just have to be careful where you're doing that from and then i tell you every single time in my opinion or at the end of, uh, of every week, you know, it is Sunday. I think every Sunday is a great time to do it. So this is your PSA for everyone that's out there. And it's what I'm doing right now as we speak. I just pulled mine up like while we're recording the podcast. And I have a bunch that are on here, right? So I, I'm, I'm no different than everyone else when it comes to, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, kind of work. But what you need to do is you need to go in and you need to click delete or disconnect next to all of your connected sites. So where do you do that again? You go, you know, you open up your MetaMask, you click those three little dots, you click connected site, and then you're going to want to disconnect next to all of them. Now, do you have to do that? No, because there's, for the most part, a lot of these sites are still active, right? Because I probably just you know, uh, bought something from them or was checking them out. But here's the thing. If one of those sites you know, gets hacked, or let's say one of those sites um, no longer is owned and someone sells it, you know, sells it to a, a bad actor, now they have that your site is already kind of pre-authorized. So now they don't even need you to sign something. They just need you to go back to that site somehow. And so there's definitely different ways that they can go about doing that. And so you kind of have to keep that in mind when you're playing this kind of game. And so to answer your question, you do have to kind of uh, authenticate. You have to approve them kind of connecting. But that doesn't mean that you won't do that without even realizing what you're doing. And that's also important when it comes to, you know, there are some websites that, they, they do that auto connection over and over and over again. And I will tell you, I, I message the, the teams and I tell them that is not okay, right? Like if you go to a website to mint an NFT, sometimes it'll say like connect your wallet and you'll hit deny. And it'll say connect your wallet again and just keeps doing it over and over again. Um, and that's something we want to avoid. But yes, you are correct. And you want to make sure that you disconnect your connected sites. I like to do it every Sunday night, um, which just happens to be right now. Um, but you know, definitely something to consider, definitely something to factor in. So love the question. Uh, and just remember, friends, when you're going to actually transact, which means you're going to buy or sell an NFT, just be very aware of what tabs you have open 
Try not to have any others open. And just be very aware of what you're clicking on, right? If you're not buying and selling and, you're, and your wallet, like my wallet right now, my active wallet right now only has, I mean, I think it has less than 0.001 ETH in it, right? It actually has 0.01 ETH in it at the moment, $26 worth. Why is that for, you might be wondering? Because I don't store my, my crypto in the wallet that I'm also going to be minting NFTs for because I don't want that single point of failure, right? I want my, like my crypto is stored in a Gemini wallet. That is where I store my crypto. I use my Coinbase exchange and then I buy things with my MetaMask. So if someone happens to hack my MetaMask or I click on the wrong button, yes, they could get my NFTs that are connected to that individual wallet, but they can't go like through my, my exchange or they can't connect to another wallet. So I try to mitigate that risk by you know having my, my crypto stored in another um, wallet. I don't keep things stored in my exchange. I don't think keep things stored in the wallet that I am minting things from, but it is okay to transfer. You know, when I'm going to... Like, Yesterday, you know, I had you know 0.9 uh, ETH in that in that wallet, uh, in my wallet, in my MetaMask wallet, because I knew I was I was making a bunch of transactions for the day, and I was perfectly okay with that. So just keep that in mind. Uh, and thanks Exxon uh, Genesis for that question. Number two, the question comes from uh, David. Uh, it says Kukowski, and he says, "Why do mints wait seven days to reveal?" I'm still hesitant to jump in on a project and mint my first NFT. Still trying to get my handle, you know, get over the trust hurdle. I know mints are supposed to be random. Are, are these long art reveals making sure certain wallets are getting certain rare ones? And I think this is a great question because it can feel like that. But here's the trend. When I first got into the NFT space last summer, it was not you. It was an instant reveal game, right? You bought, you minted the NFT on the website. You went over to OpenSea, and your you, what art, the generative art that you had was there. But what had happened was there started to create this secondary market prior to the the art reveal that people have leaned into. So what happens is, and this happened yesterday, right? Yesterday, one of the projects that I was really looking to mint, it sold out pretty quickly. And if they would have revealed the art right away, I probably would have just been like, well, I'll have to wait and see how that project goes. But because they were waiting 24 hours to reveal the art, I jumped in and people were selling it because like, if you could mint it for 0.07, people were selling it for 0.1 because they could do a 0.3 gain um, and a 0.03 gain. Um, and so there became this like little market between when the project sells out and the art reveal where it's honestly, it's just a little bit of FOMO and the, it happens to be a trend up. So there's a lot of volume that happens there. So people have kind of leaned into that. For me, I, I'm starting to really resent that concept, right? But no, it is not so that they can, and a majority of projects, it is not so that they can then pick and choose the wallets um, that they want um, the art to be generated, you know, the generative art to be sent to. The way, that, the way it does work is that that art is randomized, right? The, uh, and, and for the most part, like there are some projects that have been malicious with this, but for the most part, that the art randomization of who gets what is built into the smart contract when you're actually minting the NFT. The only like, and, and here's how that works is like, the, that that NFT is already associated with it when you're purchasing it. You just, the, the metadata hasn't shown up for us to see it. And so some projects have gone seven days. One of the projects that I have ha has gone 45 days where we bought the NFT in the beginning of December and we just now um, got the art reveal. Degen Dogs is the name of that one. And I think that's ridiculous, right? And, I, and 
there's like there's this like balance and i like the projects that instantly reveal i think there's something cool about that uh and it also like you know there's like that dopamine hit and it's kind of like opening a pack of cards but the idea of like this flip of waiting to reveal in my opinion uh, i think i've taken it too far Uh, i my suggestion for projects is one day to three days for the art reveal like i like the idea like hey three days from now we're going to do a whole because like what what you want is you want to create a lot of momentum and activity around your mint day. And then when you're sold out, you want to create a whole a whole lot more buzz again for people to reveal the art. Right. Because you want to keep you want people to be excited and then they have it and then you want to be excited again. And like you're hoping to kind of build that momentum. But I think when you start going longer than three days with the art reveal, um, I think it starts to get a little bit ridiculous there. I don't blame you, uh, David, for having a little bit of that hesitation. Um, I will say for a lot of the projects, um, I do inquire before I buy them when they're actually going to do the art reveal. Most of them, if not all of them, are pretty good at making that public information. And if a project is waiting longer than I I kind of want, then I might not actually buy that project um, as a whole. So great question, David. Thanks for asking it. Number three, it says, hey, fans, so I'm looking, uh, I love your podcast. Uh, I appreciate that. A uh, question he said, have you discussed or can you discuss the idea of gifting NFTs? Specifically, I would like to make sure NFTs to give to people. I primarily use OpenSea and we'd be very interested in your thoughts on good ways to gift, uh, you know, NFTs and give your consideration to Ethereum and Polygon NFTs for gifting. Now there's two parts of this, right? When you, you can transfer an NFT to anyone's wallet, if it is a, an Ethereum NFT, if it's on the Ethereum blockchain, then there's going to be a gas fee, of course, associated with that when you're making that transfer. Now, if you are transferring an NFT on Polygon, which is also available inside of OpenSea, there will not be a transaction fee for the most part. But here's the caveat to that. For when that person in for the Polygon NFTs, when they actually put that NFT to, to, for sale, in many cases, the cost of to post an NFT to sale for sale on Polygon ends up being much higher than one on Ethereum because it's actually minting, it's actually putting it onto the blockchain at that moment. And I've kind of run into that myself. So if you are, if you're thinking about, if the question comes from, and I, I'm sorry, this is from Buddy uh, over on our Discord. Um, if the question is like, you want to gift your own NFTs? then I think you have to just have to consider like what are people going to do with them, right? Because it's going to be lower overhead for you on Polygon, right? I, I mint it on Polygon. I put it on, the, on OpenSea. I transfer it to people's wallets. But when those people go to put it for sale, it has a, it's going to be a higher price. If, it's one that, if you're talking about gifting NFTs that are in your wallet, all you're doing is putting the transfer fee. And I do that a lot. I, I, uh, shout out to my good friend, Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay actually bought her first two NFTs with me today at Buffalo Wild Wings. And I had gifted her uh, a Blaze Cat NFT and uh, an NFT uh, Blockheads uh, NFT a little while ago. And so I just said, hey, Lindsay, send me your wallet address. She sends me a wallet. I hit the transfer button inside of OpenSea. I put her wallet in her wallet ID in there and I hit transfer and it popped up. I think it cost me $12. Uh, the first one, I think it was $16, the second one. And then it transfers directly to her wallet. So yeah, there isn't as much risk there, but definitely great questions. And definitely, you know, something we have to be aware of. Um, and especially understanding it as creators, right? What is our like objective and where is that, you know, where is that cost going to be inferred? Because the last thing we want to do is add costs on our audience. If we haven't 
you know, manage those expectations for our, our audience as well. And with all that being said, of course, you want to surround yourself with other creators. And what better place to do that than in, you know, Arizona, and especially on May 2nd. So in Phoenix, Arizona, on May 2nd, the Creator Economy Expo will be happening. Uh, Creator Economy Expo is the sponsor of this podcast. And, you know, they've created, you know, there's only a limited amount of, uh, you know, what they're, what they're calling, you know, I think it's really cool. Never ending tickets. And those never ending tickets, if you mint them on their website today, they actually get you VIP access to not only the event in May, but also, you know, events that are happening after May that they're, they're going, they're planning out right now. So definitely check it out. It is mint.cex. Dot events that is mint.cex.events. It is the first event that they're doing is in May 2nd in Phoenix, Arizona. And even if you can't make it there on May 2nd in Phoenix, Arizona, definitely want to get your hands on one of these passes so that you can attend you know future events. And the beauty with NFTs, remember, is if you end up not being able to attend, you can always sell those passes to those uh, that can attend, which is always a great thing to do. So shout out to uh, CEX for sponsoring the podcast. And if you want to get a $200 discount on the event, just use code NFT365. So excited to have them on as sponsors. And so we're going to jump over to question number four. And it says, hey, Fanzo, uh, we are minting a new NFT. When you say you're minting an NFT, new NFT every day, it actually means that you are buying a new NFT in the mint phase, right? I'm confused at the double meaning of minting. I think it's, its meaning should be restricted to creating your own piece of art. Great, great, uh, you know, uh, question. And here's the concept of minting is that if, if you are minting an NFT, you're the first one, your name, your wallet is the first owner of that NFT on the blockchain. And the reason that is confusing is that when I launched our NFTs, I actually minted them myself and then transferred them to others who became the second owner of it, right? But when I'm minting an NFT for our project, I'm buying mint NFTs that are in the mint phase. But you know, technically, that I am still buying mint NFTs because I am the first owner of them when I'm doing so. But I could not agree more that that wording becomes confusing. And if you even go back and listen to our first couple podcasts, I didn't do a great job of kind of uh, delineating that. And I had people coming to me and say, Brian, you're launching a new NFT every day. And I'm like, no, I launched a series of NFTs on December 12th. Like, what do you mean? And I, and I understood that confusion. So for the project, we are, we are buying an NFT every day that is in the mint phase, which means they have not, it's, it's either launch day or they're, they're in their launch cycle still and they have not sold out. And so that is, it is a little confusing. And hopefully, uh, you know, I don't like to really dive too deep into um, arguing syntax. And I don't know if I, you know, I don't believe I, I have that much influence to change the narrative around that. But I am very aware and conscious of when I am saying that it's important to kind of level set that. So uh, great question. I appreciate that one being asked. All right. Uh, Gabin on the road asked, I have a question about the podcast. Uh, you know, you say that you were, uh, I'm sorry, that was the one I just, uh, that, that was the one uh, that we just uh, answered. So that was not the right one. So the next one says, Brian, I'm curious about pricing your NFTs. I, I like to sell a couple of my NFTs, but I don't, I don't know one. I don't want to price them too low. How do I know where to price it? I'm noticing, I notice ranking in rarity sites can be a little bit different as well. So here's the, here's the, the truth is it right? Your NFT is only as valuable as what other people are willing to pay for it. 
So when you're thinking about, you know, putting your NFT up for sale, one of the things that I look to do is I like to look at the activity of that NFT project and look at some of their recent sales. I'll go back, you know, maybe through 50 sales and I'll look and say, what are some of them that are selling at the range that I'm thinking about? And one of the things you have to think about is, and this is really kind of like the more confusing aspects here of NFTs, is that if your NFT is more rare, which means you're going to sell above the floor price, because right, the floor price is the current lowest uh, for sale uh, NFT you know, of that collection. And if yours is more rare, right, like for my crypto chicks, my crypto chicks NFT is number 101 of 10,000, right? And so the, the floor, which shout out to crypto chicks who were on our podcast a couple of days ago, uh, when they were on our podcast, uh, their floor was 1.3. Uh, today, just before this episode, their floor is 2.4 uh, Ethereum. So um, shout out to them. Love seeing them getting all the love. M, you did just was a, a rock star on the podcast. Um, she's, de- she's definitely already doing some amazing things and I'm just really excited for them. But for that example, right? Like, so like their floor is 2.4. But my, the NFT that I have is ranked in the top one. I mean, it's the 101st most rare NFTs. So when I'm going to sell that, one of the things I'm going to look at is what are people selling their NFT for around my rarity level, right? I'm going to look at that, right? And so when I look at that, I'm like, wow, some of these people have it set for like 20 or 50 ETH, right? Which is usually like, hey, I don't have no plans on selling it unless you make it this offer too good to be true, right? But then I look like look kind of down further, right? And I'll go to like to the two hundreds and the three hundreds, and I'll look at like oh look at that that one's for sale at like this amount. Now here's the thing, you can't just base it on that because not everyone is going to a, the same rarity site to to you know look at that. So what I do is I then go into OpenSea, and I'll look I'll open my properties of my NFT. Uh, you know, that I own and I'll find whichever property is the most rare and I'll click on that property. And what it does is it opens up the whole collection and it'll only show you the collect in the collection. What other NFTs are also have that same property. And now I'll look and say, what are the, what are the for sale prices of those with my most rare property? But remember the, the rarity of your uh, NFT is not just based on one property. It's based on the entire group of properties, right? Like, and that, that, that got me confused a little bit early on where I was like, wait, I have one of my properties is like 0.09% of the collection. There's only like 15 of them that are in it. But you know, the others that also have that also have another rare trait with them. And so theirs are more rare. So really mine's the, the least rare of the 15 that have that collection. So you kind of have to keep that in mind. The other part of this is you also have to recognize what is the kind of current volume and people are buying things for at the moment, right? Like it's very easy to say like, oh, mine is worth 10 times the floor. But if you go back and no one has bought one more than three times the floor right now, more than likely that means there aren't people looking for that rare of NFTs in this collection. So it can be a little bit sticky. The other part of this is I think we are always, it's very easy to be um, kind of afraid to sell it for too low. But for me, you have to really ask yourself, you know, like, is it selling it for too low? Or, you know, why am I selling it? Like, what's that value? And there are a couple of ones where what I decided was, hey, I bought this for 0.16. The floor is now 0.4. I believe mine is pretty rare. It has some unique traits, but I'm ready to sell it because I think it's going to go down. So although I probably think it's probably worth 0.6. It's worth, you know, let's just say 0.2 more over floor. 
I also know there's a high likelihood that, that the price is going to go down very soon. So I will list it right at the floor. And I will make that that you know um, you know that uh, profit, and I will try you know to be happy with it. You know, and and NFTs, it's kind of the funny space that it's the only spot where you could make ten x on your money, and a week later be pissed off because a week later the project might shoot up, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, that NFT on the floor is now worth you know fifty x, and I sold it at ten. But here's the thing to remember: at the time you're making a decision to sell was it the right decision based on the things that you were looking at and that's really where you have to kind of like dial yourself in and kind of recognize um you know what that is what, what's all happening and, and where that's all going our last question and that was a great question thanks for that uh that question out there and our last question comes into brian the question simply put brian companies like board ape yacht club and crypto punks or even crypto chicks might sound like a fun thing to invest in today but they're no Disney, they're no Nike, they're no Adidas. There's nothing really to them, and they're not going to be around for the long haul. Why are people spending their money on these things now when they should just be investing in stocks and backing projects that are launched by giant brands? <sighs> take a deep breath. I'm going to take a deep breath. You guys heard that deep breath. Here's, here's, here's the, the, the reason that narrative makes me take a deep breath. Is we are making assumptions that because something is so big or so known over the last many years, that it will hold its value or will continue to be the world class and that things that are born today cannot be. And I believe that is a false narrative. I believe the creator economy right now is redefining what a brand is. And I do believe that brands born onto the blockchain and launched as NFT collections will become just as big, if not bigger, than many of the household brands are today. But here's the caveat to that. That does not mean that Disney will all of a sudden disappear or Nike will no longer be of value. But our connection and our ability to relate to brands and be a part of brands that are growing is something that we are craving at the moment. The other thing that comes down to this is where does Disney get its ultimate value from, right? Because people always ask me, Brian, I don't understand why these NFTs have any value, right? But why are people buying collectibles from, you know, Mickey Mouse collectibles? Why are people, um, you know, paying a certain amount of money to go to an amusement park at Disney? They're paying 10 times more money to go to Disney than they are to Six Flags. Why are they doing that? Because they believe they value that experience that they're getting is higher there at Disney, right? There's also some like cliche and bravado that you're going to Disney, right? Like, you're, you know, no one has actually said they won the Super Bowl and I'm going to Six Flags, right? They've said they're going to Disney. So the value is also kind of implied based on the reputation and like the history of that collective of that group. Well, in this community now, one of the things that we've learned, and, and I did this research with uh, Harvard Business School and IBM a while ago, but it's something that I've, I always bring it back to. When we had interviewed the millennials and Gen Z under the age of 35, and this was a couple years ago, under the age of 35, and we asked them about, we asked them a whole slew of questions. Well, one of the ones that jumped out at me was when they hear that a company has been around for 60 years or 100 years or even like 30 years, what was their first impression? And like the average, like the, the number one answer, and it was over 60% of people, and I'll try to find the, the actual um, research paper and link it here in the podcast, but over 60% of people, their first impression, and this, remember this is millennial Gen Z, 
of a of when they hear a company talking about how long they've been uh, been in business, their first impression is, wait for it, you waiting for it? Okay, it is that that brand is probably out of touch and does not know them. That's what their first impression is, and so it's very easy for us to say something like. Well, Disney, people should be backing a Disney NFT collection on Vivo or people should be investing in uh, brands that have authority and been around for a long time. Well, I also think that the idea that a brand can be too big to fail, Blockbuster, um, or a brand that is around for a long time will continue to be along, around for a long time at the same value, Nintendo, um, is kind of a little bit, you know, we have to go back and look at uh, you know, a lot of the trends in history, right? And I think a lot of what we're seeing now is that, you know, Board Ape Yacht Club, for example, teaming up with Adidas, like what is, you know, Adidas's brand affiliation became, you know, like, well, for me, it was kind of a song, you know, for, for young, those younger than me, like you aren't, you're not gonna know the song, my Adidas, but like it was, you know, it was the white on whites, right? It was the Adidas. I'm a, I'm a sneaker head, right? Like I love the white on whites and I loved, you know, the, that sneaker brand and kind of like what it said. And I remember getting my first pair of white on whites and unfortunately like ruining them in like three days. But like Adidas had like kind of like that, like hard toe. Uh, actually, I have a pair of Adidas that I wear still. Right. But the funny thing about that is a lot of that brand of, you know, affinity became into like hey, I see my friends wearing it. I see rappers wearing it or celebrities wearing it. Like, oh my goodness, I want to be a part of that. Like, hey, I want you know, what, they, what they have. But I also think in today's day and age, we've also switched the narrative a little bit to say, I want to be a part of something that I feel like not only has my values, but that understands me and that I'm also as much a part of it as it's a part of me. Like the brands that are reaching out right now that are wanting to sponsor this podcast, there's, there's a group of them. There, we've, we've, and I, and I, if you are listening to this and you have a brand or an event that you want to sponsor the podcast, please reach out. But there are some that I'm like, you know what? Um, I don't think you're a good fit. I, I don't know how I'm going to integrate that into our content or into our messaging. And that might sound naive and I might be costing myself some money. But here's the thing. When I bring in a, an event or a sponsor for this podcast, I want it to not only fit in the content norm, but I want to be able to relate to it so I can share it with, with, with you all from a place of trust and authority. And if we think about that and we think about what people are signaling when the brands that we're wearing, you know, the idea of like, hey, are you driving a Mercedes or a Lexus? I like to think like Mercedes versus Lexus is my parents' generation of argument. Like there is nobody right now in my like circle that is arguing Mercedes versus Lexus. You know what they're arguing? Tesla versus not having a car, right? Great, better for the environment. And hey, how, how can I be better in environment? Like, or, you know, hey, what, what, when I'm looking at a vehicle, you know, am I looking at it because um, it, of what the, the brand, like the signal, the, the symbol on the front says, or am I looking at it from a standpoint of utility? Like I am a Jeep Wrangler ride or die fan. I, I Jeep Wranglers is what are Jeeps of what I've owned my entire life. Uh, Nineteen ninety eight Jeep Wrangler was my very first vehicle. I'm currently driving uh, a twenty eleven four door Jeep up on thirty five inch tires. And for me, like the the beauty of that Jeep is that you know it does signal something when I drive it, but it also is wear and tear. I parked it up on the snow today with my daughters in it because you know what I don't have to care about curbs. I also don't have to care about a lot of things that I don't want to care about. And so. It's very easy for us to fall into the trap that says these kids are investing in the in their uh, pictures, uh, their picture NFTs, and these brands aren't going to be aw- around. They should be investing in the more you know the brands that have been here for forever. Last time I checked, 
brands that try to move into new spaces, there's a mass majority of them that lose their narrative, that that forget what they're all about, but also cannot adapt. Like, I, why is like this whole idea of startup culture so important? It's because you know that that being nimble and that being innovative is so essential for growth and um, adoption across the board. And so I'm going to challenge that narrative all the time, not challenge the fact that I believe Disney can't provide great value. I actually do. I'm, I mean, my clients of IBM, Dell, Samsung, SAP, you know, I get to speak at world events uh, for a lot of these companies. And I believe these companies have the ability to stay relative you know, uh, and be relatable to their audience and connect and, and leverage new things. They have, more, they have a lot of money at play. But that it does not mean that there isn't a massive amount of space for new projects and new ways for people to become a part of a brand. There, the fact that people are wearing something now and when someone's like, oh my goodness, is that a Bored Ape Yacht Club shirt that you're wearing? And someone can say, yeah, I bought it actually. I minted 10 of them back in May and I've, I've hold on to mine ever since and I'm part of the reason that this Adidas partnership exists. You can't say that elsewhere. Like, I didn't get Michael Jordan to sponsor, to start wearing Nikes to where Jordans became like the thing. And I am a massive Jordan collector, right? Like, I also love Converse, Chuck Taylor, Converse, Chuck Taylors. Uh, I have more of custom Converse, Chuck Taylors than I do of any other shoe. But it's definitely something to just keep considering, keep in mind. So, I want to say thank you to everyone who submitted their questions. Uh, if you have questions for the podcast, jump into our Discord. Uh, it is discord.gg slash ADHD coin. So that is discord.gg slash ADHD coin. And we actually have a channel just says questions for the podcast. And I will be uh, doing these probably once a week. I I feel like you guys have really um, done a great job of giving me feedback on sharing that you like these type of things. And I would love to bring in more of your questions. Uh, And we also have that that new exciting thing that's going to be rolling out in two days. Uh, which is the proof of podcast that we're going to be rolling out. We're going to be re- able to reward all of you that are listening to the podcast uh, and that put in a special word. We're going to give you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain all of that uh, on February 1st. So you guys will enjoy that. But um, when I, I put that out there because uh, part of that will also be, you know, I might be able to give out, you know, these proof of podcast uh, NFTs to those that ask great questions uh, in the Discord as well. And if you're not in a Discord, uh, you don't have to go at Discord. Uh, you know, feel free to DM me a question that you have either on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, it is I Social Fans with a Z. I Social Fans with a Z. Uh, keep your questions coming. Keeping them all. You know, this is very much you know Ask Fanzo, right? And, and I love all the questions we had today. And then finally, I'll leave you guys with this for um, you know the the narrative there. And and I'm sorry, I keep saying I'll leave you guys, and that is not um, that is not indicative to me saying uh, a certain gender. And I, and I want to get better at my, um, of being, using, you know, language that is inclusive. Uh, I, you will never hear me calling everyone bros. I think that is something that, that is definitely something we have to stop doing. Um, but I, I also am aware that I sometimes use the word guys, right? And, and uh, I, I want to get better at that. I probably have used it six times in this podcast and I am uh, well aware of that. And hopefully uh, you'll give me the latitude to improve that language. And I, I even open up the podcast now with like, what's up friends, right? Because I want to be uh, inclusive. And I will say like, that's part of this whole narrative and part of what I believe we all have to be open to is that I'm going to challenge everyone to be, to find avenues and paths that allow you to be open to learning and exploring ways that we can be more inclusive in everything that we do in every day of our lives, including the language that we're using, the people that we follow, those that we support or hire. I, I believe it's, it's, it's gone on far too long. And it's very easy for us to say that, you know, 
that it's you know it's too much or we're confused by it or uh, I don't understand uh, you know Brian why we're we're putting you know if you guys look at my Twitter account you know I actually added this recently because I change my 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 profile photos pretty often and I added you know next to my name it says fanzo.eth and then I put in uh, I put he slash him right next to it because I understand that um, not only do I want to not want to give a falsehood about who I am if I'm you know wearing a, a profile photo that maybe is a a character that you know identifies as a woman or character that identifies as non-binary which I own uh, NFTs of both but I also believe that you know pronouns us all using pronouns make it not make it welcoming for everyone to put their pronouns out there so they are they are welcomed and they are identified correctly. We all want to be seen, we all want to be heard. And if we're all not willing to start setting that bar and cr- making things the norm, then we will continue to isolate. We will continue to make it feel as though some people are not worthy of of having their voice heard or feeling as though they are equal. And I know if you're listening to this podcast, that is not something that you believe in. And so uh, I just want to say thank you to all of you friends that are out there that are kind of coming with me on the journey and learning with me. I'm far from perfect. I am working to be, you know, more inclusive with my language, more inclusive with the the guests that we have, more inclusive with the the research and the and the, and the focus that I have here, um, you know, as a leader, as a podcast host, um, and also in ways that we show up online. So, with that being said, friends, make it a great day. I will see you tomorrow. Cheers. Or I guess you'll hear me tomorrow. <laughs> Cheers. This show is not financial advice. So do your own 